Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Fearless Parody Podcast Show. You know, parody doesn't come with a manual. It either does parody a child, preteen, or teenager. In fact, parody is very scary. It can cause every parent out there to be fearful, me included. The goal, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with information and resources that help you overcome family life struggles difficulties and challenges and to be able to parent fearlessly. So every week we provide information and resources to help grow your parental leadership while growing the leadership of your child, preteen, or teenager. In short, we are here to help you and your children become the best versions of yourselves. So get ready and dive right in to today's episode. Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of Fiercely Parenting. I am back with my guest host, Kendall Smith, who is the author of Rookie Father, a recently released self-help book for men who are new to fatherhood. And I'm going to add to that, it's good for you men that have been fathers for a while. Kendall's mission is to provide men who may have been raised in the absence of a father. In it, he provides succinct and actionable advice so that dads may provide a better experience to the next generation of dads. So without further ado, one more time, we're back with Kendall. And in the last episode, I said that there were going to be three parts. There's actually only two. So I'm going to ask you, Bob, and dads out there to forgive me, look over this this time. The most important thing is that we got Kendall back in the house today. Kendall, welcome back to the Fearlessly Parody Podcast Show. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here again. Hey, you know, we were talking about your book last time. We're still going to be talking about your book. But how does your upbringing relate to men who have never had a father themselves? Yeah, you're happy to, to talk about this. And I'm, I'm up front in all the interviews and in the book, but my parents separated when they were sick, when I was six, uh, mm-hmm. divorced by the time I was uh, nine years old. And by the age of 13, my father had moved to Florida, had remarried, had two children, and we had an estranged relationship. And it was very hard on me. It was bitter. But what turned things around, not turned things around, but what really gave perspective was when I was up in the morning, I was thinking about my next writing project. And I realized that with, my nine month old upstairs, Connor, you know, there was nothing out there that really talked to dads that were in the situation. And by giving them thoughtful advice um, in a succinct manner, that's actionable. That was my frame of reference when I went in to write the book and it covers a lot of ground, but I think there's something in there for everyone because no one's perfect. And as you work through parenting and fatherhood, there's a lot of rewards that come through it when you stick with it and you're there every day. Oh, man, we like to fix things. So actionable is actually a great word. And so if we see something that we need to work on, if it's in bite-sized pieces where we could, if it's in bite-sized pieces where we could take steps and move forward, yeah. that's a great thing. And so I like that. And I think that that is a good thing because there are a lot of families out there where uh, that are divorced, mm-hmm. uh, the couples have split, remarried, 
Some of them haven't married. And then you have those kids out there who are fatherless. They don't have that father figure. So let me ask you this, Kendo. I'm going to throw one on you here. How important is it to have a father in a child's life? Some people don't think that is very important at all. I, I think that is critical uh, that my wife and I both have a role in our children's lives. But tell my audience, give them your opinion as to why you think dads are critical in the lives of their children. Well, it's an extra pair of eyes. Um, you have the opportunity to be a good and bad cop when you need to be. You you have uh, more <laughs> discipline. You have um, more of everything when you have two parents compared to one. You don't get away, away with as much. And the other thing that you look at it is that's the, the personal perspective. Um, from a national perspective, just to more statistics, you look at, at fatherless homes where the child is raised in absence of one. They're four times more likely to grow up in poverty. They're nine times more likely to exper- experiment with alcohol and drugs. And they're 10 more times likely to be, um, to be engaged with the law and to have um, – higher risk of, of crime and whatnot. You're right about that, Kendall. Yeah. You're and it's, right. It's scary. And, and I also think that once you embrace the concept, um, it's easier on your wife, it's easier on your kids when you're an involved parent. And to say, that, well, dads are not necessary. Well, I'd say, look at the statistics. And I'd say that one thing that I espouse in the book is let's talk about how to strengthen your marriage how to provide a better foundation for your family. So there's actually an entire section devoted called your wife and like things, little tips you can use and do um, just to strengthen the communication, to be more empathetic and to express yourself in a way that's going to be uh, understood more clearly. Well, Kendall, I I love what you said about sometimes having to be bad. Now I, I tell you what, now I've seen some households where, um, Mom is that great, uh, tough, <laughs> bad cop figure, and, and the dad is the good cop. I have to say, in my household, I'm the bad cop, okay? Uh, and I was a cop, so it's uh, and I can slip into that, slip into that role. Yeah. But there have been times when my kids would just get on my wife's nerves, and they'd be sitting down there arguing and everything, and then they would hear the heavy steps coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And they would hear me walking down and around, and it would get quiet. <laughs> and go, you know what? Before she was your mother, she was my wife. And let me uh, tell you how you are not going to talk. Good. I like it. And, and you know what? There have been times where my wife, and she's not the confrontational woman, she said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're not going to speak to your dad like that. All right? We're not going to have this in this house. And it's I call it cover two. It's, it's, it's a thing. If you do a building search as a cop or if you're in the military and you're going, you're searching the building, one takes the lead and O is watching their back. So I, as a man, you know, I, I take the first step, be the point man, but my wife's watching my back. And when I get to a certain point, then she's on the move and I'm watching her back and it's just going back and forth. When our kids would get sick, Hey, it was all both of us. So we we've come up with a schedule. There may be where I may need to uh, 
spend a little bit more time than she is because she has some work days going on. But we work out the schedule and we divide up the work and, and we would just do it because the kids needed it and it needed to be done. And we were of one mind on that, which overcame all the selfish type deals where I don't have enough time. And I love what you're saying about tips for your wife. And I'm just interested if you have any tips in there to sometimes just tell your wife, take a good book and go. Yeah. I got this. Okay? Oh, yeah. Take some time to yourself. I got this. Talk talk about that, man. You, you know, sometimes as a dad, you just gotta take the total raise and give your wife a break. I, I'd say do it every day. I say if you're if your wife is 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 at home, um, especially in the early months of your child and you're at you're at work, you walk in the door, you take over. And there's a chance because she probably hasn't may not even shower that day or like taking at any time to herself, like just take over, feed the child, bathe them, put them to bed, do it together if you can. But like you're there to give her a break and it's an hour and a half, two hours, depending on your commute, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then as you progress, like the other thing about coming out of year one, it's like, you know, you're getting six hours of sleep a night. I mean, we, we, we did formula. So we, we both suffered the pain. I couldn't like pawn off the uh, feeding, <laughs> the breastfeeding. I was in the thick of it. Um, and we alternated nights, but you know, after the like nine, 10 months, you know, all of a sudden you have like this great weekend where it's like less stress. You both bathed, you both had some free time, you do whatever it was. And when you're in bed, one of my chapters is, and this is like a, a four paragraph chapter. It's like, just turn to your wife on Sunday night and said, I had a great weekend with you. And that I think mm. goes far because you're acknowledging the progress that you're making, getting out of the, the doldrums of the first nine months and your child's probably sleeping through the night. And just like to build upon that, to date your wife when your child's oh, more than two years old, once oh, or twice God. a month, man, go out, right? <laughs> get a dinner, go to a movie. I don't care what you do. Just get the hell out of the house. Stop getting, take your parenting hat off and just be a couple again. There comes a time when, you know, you, you got to be there for each other. You got to give each other space. And then you got to also spend time with each other. And, and you have to share what's going on. If you come in and you're taking over. And, and, and give your wife that break is particularly she's a stay-at-home mom and the kids share something with you about that day you, you also you, you can't hold on to that you need to go back and share it with her and, and the, discuss how are y'all going to act on that if it needs to be acted on whatsoever yeah yeah it's very true and I think it's um, the more communication the better that's that's all over the book <laughs> So tell me more, because in the first interview you talked, you gave us some uh, eye-opening statistics. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about the state of family life, and, and let's let's focus on what a, a lot of my audience, uh, Christian families, maybe they're single moms, single dads, or married couples. What is the state of family life in America in regards to my audience? Um, some statistics that come to mind is, is if we back up and look at family life in America in the 50s, 10% of marriages ended in divorce. You turn to the 70s, that number increased to 
And when you talk to gen- children of gener- or Generation X, there were most of them were latchkey kids because both parents worked. They were divorced. It was a, a very challenging time. The numbers I have seen is that the divorce rate is slowly declining. Um, millennials are having kids later. They're delaying or putting off marriage altogether. So the institution, I think, over the last few generations has been hit hard. And I think when right. you when you look at the benefits of it, my I hope and pray, because the divorce rate is coming down, but in light of few people getting married overall, it's a little misleading. Um, regardless of what happens, two parents together have a better chance of raising a successful child or raising a child successfully. And if those two never marry, but they stick together and they work on their relationship together, it's the, the children benefit from it. And I think that's slowly getting through. I think not only the Christian world, but you know, all sectors of society have been affected by this. And oh, it hope- it's, it's been it, it's been epidemic going all over the place, Kendall. Uh, and and it it is a sad deal, but I, I think that there's a good chance the ship can write itself also. Yeah. And I also think that when, when you look at the choices you make for yourself, if you're doing with a partner, your chances of of being in poverty, the chances of going through a financial crisis of a divorce itself. um, When you commit to that person in the hand that you, that you brought a child to life with, I think there's, 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 Great rewards there. I, I, I'm hope, I hope that the trends reverse themselves, but the number of children that are raised in absence of a father today, it's well over, I think it's close to 30%. And that is going to continue to get worse and worse unless we really focus on it as a society. Well, Kendall, I think that also goes back to communication. If you're not connected with each other, when you communicate, there's a problem. Uh, and we have different personalities that, you know, that, the man suspecting the woman to be more like him and she's suspecting him to be more like her. Me and my wife are completely opposites. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, disc. I'm a D, okay? I'm, I'm that 3% of the world that, uh, you know, if there were more of us, people would kill us, okay? Because we're, <laughs> we're, we're domineering and everything like that. But my wife is an S, which is my total opposite. But here's why that is great. Where she's strong, is that that's what my weak points are. Okay. Right. Where her weak points are, are my strengths. So when we encounter certain situations, uh, my, my wife, Hey, she can take the, take the lead on that because she's leading in her strength. Mm-hmm. And, and other times I'm leading in my strengths. And, and if couples will realize that and work with each other, and one doesn't feel that he has to be the be all, uh, all everything, or she doesn't feel like she has to be everything. Hey, sometimes what takes to lead the other, but again, it's that cover two type deal. What takes to lead the other one covers their back. Yeah. And if you're doing that with each other in life, with your kids and everything else, it, it makes things better. Uh, we did kind of sway a, a little bit away from dads. We're talking about couples, but hey, you, you know, you got a husband and a wife. I want to say one more thing and get your uh, take on it. Hmm. One of the big things with me is my dad taking me under his wing and explaining what a man is and how to conduct myself as a man. It did be an example to my siblings of, of, of a godly man. 
Okay, and that's what I've tried to do with my son because while my wa- wife is one of the greatest women in the world, I think I have the greatest wife in the world. <laughs> Good. Okay. Right. But when it comes to teaching my son how to be a man, you know, that, that, that's on me. And same thing with my daughter, that's on her. Uh, and I can show my daughter the example of being a godly man, but I, I think that it takes a, a godly man to to raise a boy up, to, to sh- just be an example, being a chief role model. And, and moms, if you don't have one, there are plenty of places that you can go, positive places where you can find good men to mentor and help you out with your boy. But what's your take on that? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned just um, raising sons and the responsibility. And I'll, I'll, I'll share a quote with you that's hit me like a hammer over the head. Lawrence Fishbourne, Boys in the Hood. Any boy can make a baby. It takes a man to raise a son. Mm. And when I heard that, I melted in my chair. I'm like, oh, my God. Like That influenced me as like, okay, when I become a dad, I, I want to do that. And at eight years old, I'm still goofing around with my son. But I'm, I'm slowly letting in the lessons about being thorough. Um, not rushing through things to get through it to play. It's like there's certain things you, and responsibilities you need to to manage. And yes. that's what, yes. what's that? I'm saying yes. You're absolutely right about that, brother. Yeah, I, I think like oh, chores around the home. I think it's instilling a sense of responsibility. And to your point about being on the same page as your wife, you know, I talk about – I have a chapter in the book about this that, you know, if you're not a united front with your kids – your children will take advantage of that and pick you apart and they will go around you and they'll go under you and over you to get what they want. They, they're manipulative little creatures. You, you, are, you are so right. And, and, and moms and dads, you got to compare notes, okay, because they'll do this. I did it as a kid. Yeah. Okay? And my dad, you know, if he was still alive, you asked him, he'd say he did it as a kid. Yeah. You know, Kendall, my dad told me one time, he said, boy, you know why I catch you at doing basically everything you do when you do something wrong? Because there's nothing that you've done, could do, think about doing, or might do in the future that I haven't thought about myself <laughs> or done myself. That's how come I catch you doing everything. So <laughs> my dad was real. He was telling me he wasn't perfect. And, and because he wasn't perfect, that's how come he could catch me when I had my non-perfect moments and I was up to mischief and things I should not be doing. Man. Yeah. That's a good thing about being a dad. Yeah, it is. And that, that honestly will score more points. It'll make them listen a little more, I think. How old is Connor? Eight. Eight years old. Yep. So do you see a little bit of Connor in yourself? I mean, do you see a little bit of yourself in Connor? Well, it's funny. Um, the thing that comes back to bite me in the backside is we're we're a sarcastic family, and not <laughs> obnoxiously, but my son understood the concept of sarcasm at like three years old. <laughs> now, to put it in perspective, you know what I've read is that uh, sarcastic humor is one of the harder things to comprehend. When you're growing up, it, it just goes over their heads. They don't get. It. He got it at three, and he'll come out with these zingers now that are just like almost like just dark humor. That and and it's like all about you know 
meant meant well, but it's just kind of like, wow, like that is something like a sounding board off of what I would have thought or said. And um, it's <laughs> like, almost like, it's, like <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting uh, moment of clarity. Well, Connor, we were all rookie dads, and I still think that even if you've been a dad for a few years or maybe even 10 years, uh, what you have in your book, you got a little something for everyone. So, again, tell my parents and audience where they can find you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. So the book is on sale, local bookstores, which I'm encouraging read, readers to go to because uh, local retail needs the business. It's available nationally, um, major change, walmart.com, target.com, Amazon, of course. Uh, you can go to familias.com. Uh, you can find information about the book at therookiefather.com, which is the website for it. There's, there are endorsements featured there. There's reader reviews. Um, and also you can find me on social with um, on Facebook and, and Instagram with The Rookie Father as the handle and author Kendall uh, via Twitter. And my my email is therookiefather at gmail.com. And at the time of this uh, interview, we're, we haven't quite come to uh, Father's Day yet. But whether it's Father's Day or not, a lot of this information uh, that's in this book can help a lot of different dads. So if you know a new dad or a dad that's kind of been a dad for a while, uh, if you want to uh, help that person out or just love on them, you can do so with this book. It's in Audible, and uh, you can download it, listen to it in your car as you go back and forth. We're going to have links to Kendall, his book, and where you can find him in the podcast description. As I always say, moms and dads, you got to check out our podcast description. You're going to find links like this. You're going to find uh, free complimentary parenting links that are going to help you out with some resources that are put there just for you. But we've reached the end of this particular interview. We love having Kendall on. And uh, Kendall, thank you for being on my podcast, man. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Love to come back. And thanks for having me on. Well, we would love to have you come back. And Bob said, Dads, until the next time, God bless. Well, that concludes another awesome episode. Please, please check out the podcast description where you'll find links to family and parenting resources. And I want to thank you, moms, dads, and guardians, for listening to today's Fearless Parenting Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and that it added value to you and your family. And I want to leave you with something that was once said by two-time Nobel Prize recipient Marie Curie, who once said that nothing in life is to be feared. It's only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. That is why we have this show, to help you understand more about parenting so that you can fear less. So I want to challenge you, like I always do, to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless. <laughs>